0: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One-one pitch, fastball pulled and passed, Alvarez toward the corner. Get up, Bob, get up, get out of here, Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes real. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris.
1: Starting Pitchers Preview Part 2, a thorough review of average draft position. Welcome, everybody. This is Fantasy Baseball Today, and it is Tuesday. I have to look down at the date. March 5th. There we go. I'm on video, so things are a little bit different. I got a haircut for all of you people out there. I'm Adam Azer with Heath Cummings, Scott White, and Chris Towers. Guys, let's start the show with Chris Archer. Give me your, no, uh, let's start the show with, uh, with an email at fantasybaseball at com. But first, good morning, Scott White. How you doing, man?
2: Doing great, Adam. Doing just
1: fine. Okay. Everybody for watching on video, try to find Scott's cat. He, it might show up. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Can
3: we do this, like, from my house and Adam's house and just have all our cats come? Yeah. One day? I, I, I
1: kick my cat That's out of the terrible. room, Scott. So, you know uh making adjustments here. Chris and Heath, good morning to you. How are we doing? Hello. Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm very excited about today's show because yesterday I didn't get to say my favorite sleepers, and I am going to take over the show at some point and tell people my favorite sleepers. I'm very excited about them. Um first an email, something that we sort of addressed. Heath uh, when we did our head to head points mock draft last week, starting pitchers flew off the board and you wrote about it, we talked about it, but let's just do it again because you know, we're doing this show, and we're always talking about ADP on Fantasy Pros mostly and, and when guys are going, but Brian writes an email as an extremely loyal listener that puts together his own starting pitcher rankings and tries to map, map out a top 50 uh, for our points league. I get frustrated when I hear starting pitcher discussions amongst you boys regarding where you would want to take your first few starters, and you reference Fantasy Pros ADP. CBS head-to-head points ADP. The five elite aces all go in the top 12. Five of the near elite go in the next 12. By the end of the round three, we're hitting the Walker Bueller tier. So the question is really, you know, about how do you adjust to that? And the second part is, if you get cut out of the top 14, 15, who are you counting on? Do you grab two of the Marquez, Strasbourg, Bueller types? That's what, uh, Brian said. So, um, Heath, you want to address that? What do you do if, You want to either adjust to the early run or you miss out on the early run.
0: Yeah, and I think this does happen in CBS Points League specifically, and I'm not going to chase it. Um, This is going to give you an opportunity. We've talked about it, how there are 14, 15, maybe 20 hitters that are just almost surefire first-round type picks. And if this gives you an opportunity to get three of those, you can make up with that in pitching later. I, I did take in our CBS draft where... This kind of happened, not quite to this extreme. I took Strasburg in the fourth round. I'm perfectly fine with him as my ace. I like taking someone like Miles Michaelis as my number two. And then all those guys we talked about in the late rounds, there's still going to be a point. If all these starting pitchers go in the first two or three rounds, there's still going to be a point where there's a long hitter run. And then some of those value starting pitchers start propping up again. Maybe it's the ninth and tenth round instead of the eleventh and twelfth round like it is in most of our drafts. But I'm just going to stockpile those guys. I want to get all of them, and I might take them each around earlier than I want to, just to make sure that I get all of them.
1: Anyone disagree with that? Anyone feel like no matter what's going on in the draft, you have to get at least one ace? I I probably would get one.
2: You know, more likely in the second round. It depends what's there. I mean, if somebody crazy like Jose Ramirez falls to round two, uh, you know, then (laughs) then you have to do it. But if it's somebody like Nolan Arenado, I mean, the idea is. For me, at least, anyway, uh, you know, Aaron Nola, Trevor Bauer, Blake Snell, Noah Sindergaard. These guys are all in the same tier. So if the tier happens to deplete earlier, you know, if it, if it seems early to take somebody later in that same tier. Well, if it's the same tier, then the whole concept is they're about the same in ability level. So you still should capitalize on that. And I wouldn't want to go without any ace. It, it would not be it would not be a draft, though, where I followed. um the the rule of getting two of my top 15 or certainly not three
3: one one sort of simple way you can go about this is just kind of apply auction values to a snake draft and say once you build your personal auction values if you're going off heath or scott's say you know in a head to head points league you want 300 total dollars worth and just see where the values are if if the value is at starting pitching in the head-to-head points draft that we did last week that we were talking about. Pitchers went early, but Chris Sale and Justin Verlander were still the 15th and 16th overall picks. That's where we expect them to go. It was really just that the order was kind of weird. Um, so you you should just kind of look for the most value wherever it falls to you. And if if that happens to be like Heath said, where you take three hitters in your first three picks because you got three guys who have first-round potential, you're probably going to be okay.
1: Okay, so how, how about this question? I do want to get into ADP. We will do that very soon. But, um, how do you feel just overall? When, when I first started doing fantasy baseball, you know, you could wait on pitcher and stream pitchers and you were supposed to spend on hitting. Hitting has obviously gone up recently, but did it come back down last year? Do we have a deeper pitching pool? Do you feel like you can, you can do more with free agency? Because there's one thing that's pretty important. The schedule changed last year. They spread out the games a little bit more, and I think what happened was the two-star pitchers, there were fewer of them, and they weren't as good on a week-to-week basis. So I think if you go into the season, I'm just going to stream two-star pitchers. In a in a a 10-team league, you make it work. In a 12-team league, it's going to be harder than it was in years past, as we saw last year. But, you know, I feel like at some point in fantasy baseball, the strength of the waiver wire shifted from pitchers to hitters over the last few years. Are we back to the point where pitching is going to be easy to find on the waiver wire Scott what do you think
2: I don't think we're back to the point where it's going to be easier to find all the waiver wire it did seem to get a little deeper at the top and there there are more distinct distinct tiers I think again than just the aces and the non aces uh, you know you got the Walker Bueller's you got the James Paxton's Herman Marquez's guys who show ace potential but don't do it as reliably as like the Justin Verlanders of the world so it gives you it gives you an opportunity where you know, you're, you're only it's not your only chance anymore. Those early rounds to get ace production like it was the past couple of years. So that's good. But at the same time, like it it used to be where anybody who had good ratios, if they were a quality pitcher and they had a, a solid rotation spot, you would trust that eventually their innings would build up to a point where they're giving you 180, even 200 plus. And that's not true anymore. I think particularly in a points league, uh but even to an extent in a roto league for the impact they have on strikeout totals and wins and whatnot. Uh if you don't have pitchers who can reliably go six plus, you're going to fall behind. And it you just can't expect that to magically appear among the later crop of starting pitchers anymore, at least not in any a way that's halfway predictable.
1: I I just want to get get one more take. Heath, Chris, whatever. How do you feel about your ability to use the waiver wire? to kind of maybe be a little weaker on draft day at starting pitcher and to be able to make up for it throughout the season with waivers?
0: I don't really have a problem doing it for one spot. I, I think it, you may be okay if you've really got elite hitters doing it for two spots, but I, it's not the way I felt about it four years ago where I am just want to dedicate so many resources to offense and then just put together a pitching staff later. It's That, that part has changed. I want to have one or two... Really good pitchers. I want to have a bunch of upside guys. If I have to stream two-star pitcher for one spot, I'm fine with it. If I have to do it uh-huh. for two, if I'm uncomfortable, but I think I can make it work.
1: Who's pumped to hear my sleepers? Yeah.
3: Oh, I can't wait. you oh, pumped. Been, Everybody's I pumped. stayed up all night. You know who it is. It's the only reason I woke up early today. I'm going to Tyler gonna sleep
1: Skaggs. Tyler Skaggs. We didn't mention him yesterday. His first 16 starts, he had a 264 ERA and 100 strikeouts in 92 innings. And then he went on the DL. And he basically dealt with an adductor strain for the entire second half, and he was terrible. But he's really good, and he's going 67th pitcher off the board, 238th overall, according to fantasy pros. Tyler Skaggs is a sleeper, and strictly in points leagues, I don't even think about drafting him in roto leagues. Marcus Stroman is a points league sleeper. He was also pitching hurt, but for the entire season, because he had shoulder issues, uh, in spring training, and then a blister later in the year, and he was awful. But the year before, he was 16th in points, 26th in roto. Skaggs in either format, Stroman in points. What do you think?
0: I like um, but- the idea of Skaggs being good. Um, but, like, using an injury as an excuse for Tyler Skaggs, he's probably going to have an injury again. He's had an injury almost every year of his career. Not this he year. He 125 well, innings I- I last think- year.
2: But the specific issue with this injury is it was so closely tied to his performance he had a sub three era was as reliable as you could find until he suffered that adductor strain and then it was just implosion there at the end when he was i think on the dl a couple times with the injury clearly not able to get right so yeah i mean maybe maybe he'll suffer some other kind of injury but in terms of numbers skaggs's numbers yeah, he's awesome. The ones you're seeing from 2018, they were warped by that injury, and they're going to be better this year, I think.
1: Woo! All right. Good for me. got that off my chest. All right, let's get into average draft position, get to as many pitchers as we can. We're coming right back after this.
3: The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family.
1: Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, ADP start at the top. Max Scherzer, fifth overall. Jacob deGrom, 11th. Chris Sale, 12th. Things have changed a little bit since when we did this uh, yesterday. Um, but very similar. So Scherzer, DeGrom, and Sale are basically first round picks in a 12 team league. Corey Kluber, Verlander, and then Aaron Nola, 25th overall. So right at the, right at the swing. The 2-3 turn. And obviously if you don't take them there, if you have the first or the second pick, you're not getting Nola in round four, or most of the next guys we're gonna talk about. But, um, I think, yeah, I mean, I think Nola at six right there is pretty interesting when you look at Scherzer, DeGrom, Sale, Kluber, Verlander. And then Aaron Nola, um, Chris, break it down the top six, the first uh, basically the first two rounds of pitcher ADP.
3: They're all great. I think you could quibble with the order. Like I, I think one of the things that we we kind of have to do is we're always fighting last year's battles. And so, you know, Jacob Degrom being the number two starting pitcher, he probably should be like the number four starting pitcher because he's not going to be quite as good as he was last year. But that's that's a minor issue when you're talking about this group and really the next couple, there's not that much of a difference. I think Scherzer probably stands on his own, but he comes with some risk. They all come with risk. They're starting pitchers. Um, DeGrom has had some injury issues in the past. Chris Sale obviously had the shoulder, but they're all good. If you have them all as your first starter, I think it's fine. I, the idea of Nola being a little bit separated from the next group, you'll see that sometimes in drafts. I don't love it. I don't think he's necessarily a better pitcher. Than even someone like Noah Syndergaard or Luis Severino. And I'm not sure he's that much safer either. Well, and he's really not. Like, that's
0: where Adam stopped because it was 24.5 yeah. or 25, but he's three spots behind Justin Verlander. He's two spots ahead of Garrett Cole. It just, there's not really a clean, the clean break is after the top three at 12. And then you've got a lot of guys in a, in a 10 pick range.
1: So I think it's a little yeah, bit of deline- a, dilemma. yeah, go ahead, Scott. The delineation for
2: me is the top five. And, and then the rest. So Nolai having a separate tier too at the start of it. Actually I have Snell ahead of him, but you know.
1: Right. So same I, tier. I think it's a little bit of a dilemma because if you're picking first or second, you have to take Trouder bets. Well, you don't have to, but you're going to take Trouder bets. If you're picking third, yeah. I, I mean, we probably are not taking Scherzer until like maybe sixth. I don't know. Maybe four. What's the earliest you would take Scherzer? Sixth. Fourth
2: is the, in a points league. Like, I'm not as dead set on Altuve fourth in a points league because, obviously, you're not looking for him. You know, it's not a categories thing where you need him to excel in the scarce categories of batting average and stolen bases. So I could justify it as early as fourth in a points league.
1: So if you have the first, second, third pick and you're taking Trout, Betts, Jose Ramirez, like, there's a pretty good chance that Verlander, that the top five pitchers are off the board by the time your second pick comes around. If they're not you know, then you could definitely take Verlander or Kluber. And I and I just want to spend a little bit more time on these aces, but uh, actually we talked about them yesterday. But anyway, um what do you do after that? Because do you feel like you're reaching for Nola or Cole or Snell or Severino or Bauer, etc.? But the problem is if you don't take one of oh. them with your second or third pick, you are not going to get uh you're definitely you're not gonna get a top twelve pitcher in the, the- fourth round, right?
3: That's the thing about picking at the turn is you do have the opportunity to get basically anyone you want from the next 20 picks or so, but you're gonna have to reach at some points to get some of the guys. If you want, you know, maybe you don't think Aaron Nola is the 25th best player in fantasy, but you don't pick again until, what is it, 30, 48? Is that right? So. Yeah,
1: that's the end of round four. Y-
3: your next opportunity to draft the starting pitcher mm-hmm. If you're lucky, is Walker Buehler or Carlos Carrasco, but probably oh, right. it's more like Patrick Corbin right. or James Paxton, <laughs> someone that you probably feel... They could definitely be the number. I mean, Patrick Corbin was, what, a top-five pitcher last year, um, mm-hmm. or very close, but you don't feel near as confident in them, for sure. Right. Now,
1: you could so that's, go... That's the thing about You paying. could take both. You know, you could load up on three great hitters and then go with Corbin and Paxton or Strasburg and Granky. You know, Strasburg and Granky would be a pretty exciting start. Um but you are not going to get Snell, Severino, Bauer, Cindergaard, Carrasco. Um,
3: so. That I, yeah, might be fine. That might be fine. Absolutely. Strasburg might be as good as those guys. He yeah. probably is in terms of just talent.
1: Now, now, if you play in a league where pitchers are going really early and you don't think there's any chance, you think there's definitely going to be 20 pitchers off the board by the time you get to pick 47, 48. I think you probably have to reach for a starting pitcher. Cause then, then you really, like, oh. Keith, you mentioned, Oh, I'm fine waiting for Steven Strasburg. But in my, in my, you know, my scenario here, Strasburg is off the board. He's the 18th or 17th pitcher. So like if you're, if Jamison Tyone and Armand Marquez are your top two pitchers, I don't know. That seems, that seems like not good enough.
0: I think it can definitely be good enough. I mean, it's going to depend on who your top three hitters are because the, the time that I got into trouble at starting pitcher, I ended up taking Francisco Lindor at the end of the second round. Yeah, but well, you did end up with Strasburg. Off, okay. That's, you're not really in trouble there. You're starting Start, off with Jose Altuve and Francisco Lindor. You're going to have a little weak pitching. That's okay.
1: All right, all right. But then who, but then you, you didn't <laughs> take anyone in the third, or you didn't take a pitcher in the third round. You waited and you took uh, Strasburg in the fourth round. But I guess I guess what I'm saying is if you think Strasburg is off I, the board, if pitchers are flying off the board, then you, pro- you might have to go a little early. I, I think especially
2: in a points league, which is probably where this is going to happen, your yeah. scenario, if you don't have... Somebody who can deliver ace production. Um, I, I just don't think you're going to be able to keep up. Now it could be Marquez. I mean, Marquez was basically Jacob de Gram once he figured things out last year. So if you, if you're totally trusting in that, it, it might be a, a way to get an ace at a discount and load up at hitting. But obviously that exposes you to the capricious nature of Coors Field and everything that's, that that's, could potentially go, go wrong with, uh, Herman Marquez.
3: That's risky even for me. Hmm. That's, that's one even I wouldn't do.
1: Yeah, I mentioned it yesterday. Last 13 starts for Marquez, 225 ERA, 118 strikeouts in 88 innings. And he, and he had a 299 Babip, so like I said, wasn't even lucky, and he was great at home, and he was great on the road. Another guy who had a great second half we didn't really talk about at all yesterday was, uh, Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler was just lights out in the second half. And, um, you know, somebody you can get as your third. Third starting pitcher post All-Star break at a one sixty eighty ERA. Not the same strikeout pitcher as the others, but the third highest soft contact rate in baseball for Wheeler, behind Degrom and Scherzer. All right, we'll get to him. Uh, wrap it up here with those top five: Scherzer, Degrom, Sale, Kluber, Verlander. Is there anyone that you, is just like on your do not draft list? Like you personally, you know, you rank them high, but you just you think they're too risky, and you just don't <laughs> want to take them.
2: I mean, my least favorite of the five is Kluber because he showed signs of what you might call a decline. Last year, swinging strike rate down, strikeouts down. But they kind of regressed to a level he was at earlier in his career, and he's still, you know, he was still a Cy Young finalist, I think. So uh, just in terms of how reliably he delivers an ace workload with good ratios, I I wouldn't say I'm worried about drafting him.
3: Chris Sale's the only one of this group under 30, right? I think he's 31. Is he thirty-one? Uh, Jacob Degrom's thirty. He turns thirty-one in June. It's an old group. Is is the point? Um, you know Verlander's thirty-six. Scherzer's thirty-four. No Sale will turn thirty in uh, about twenty-five days.
0: Well, but the thing—it's an
3: old DeGrom, group, and DeGrom, there's a decent number of innings for all of them. They—they've all been.
1: I, that? I feel like Degrom, does not have that crazy workload that all those innings on his arm the way the other four have. I
3: mean. Yes and no. 109, he's, he's at 900 total innings for his career, but he got off to a late start and he had Tommy John surgery, so he hadn't built up a ton there, of innings. Is there anyone you're the majors, avoiding, Chris?
1: Is there anyone you're avoiding?
3: No. Okay.
1: Okay. Cause you could make a case against all of them, but at the end of the day, we're fine, we're fine taking them. So then let's get to the next group and we'll start with Nola. We'll go to the beginning, beginning of round three in a 12 team league. Nola, Garrett Cole, Blake Snell, Severino, I'm gonna say Clayton Kershaw, but he's obviously, you know, this ADP is, uh, from, you know, months ago too, so he's gonna fall. Probably not gonna be ready for opening day. Uh, Nola, Cole, Snell, Severino, <clears throat> excuse me, Kershaw, Bauer, Syndergaard, Carrasco. It's a big group, and then, and then really Walker Bueller in there. So, um, yeah, it's a great group. Nola, Cole, Snell, Severino, Kershaw, Bauer, Sindergaard, Carrasco, Buer. That's nine names. Heath, your overall thoughts on this group and anyone that you love, anyone that you hate in this group.
0: Well, and there's a wide range of draft position here, too. I think we're going from pick 25 down to pick 42, so basically midway through the fourth round. I'm okay taking Cole, Nola, Snell at that 2-3 turn, especially on the three side if you get him at the second or third pick of the third round. I feel pretty good about that. I haven't, and I don't know why it is. I haven't really had a lot of opportunity to draft. Bauer or Carrasco, who I think are more into the third round, start of the fourth round type pitchers. Bueller, you don't know where he's going to go because there are people that think he's got the potential to be Blake Snell this year and might take him. I've seen him go in the second round. I've also seen him fall almost to the late fourth. So he's kind of the wild card in this group, but he's probably the one that I'm not drafting.
1: How about...
2: Yeah, I mean... Yeah, go
1: ahead. Go ahead, Scott.
2: The problem with Blake Snell, I mean, with Walker Bueller is that he has not established that, that workload that I, I think needs to be established before we can call you an ace, just because we, particularly for the Dodgers, I mean, my goodness, they like to bake in so many phantom DL stints to keep these innings down that, uh, you know, he, he may, if, if you're not getting the ace ratios and the ace workload, you're not an ace. So I I have Walker Bueller a tier behind them, and I actually move Corbin and Granke. Certainly, Granke's established at that level uh, into the tier uh, with these other pitchers, and leave Bueller out.
3: And and this is something that I've been thinking about with like Noah Syndergaard going behind Bueller, but also Steven Strasburg going a couple rounds behind Bueller is it's unlikely Syndergaard or Strasburg makes 33 starts and pitches 200 innings, but if they're right, they will. I don't see any scenario that Walker Buehler gets to even 190 innings in the regular season, even if he's as good as we think he is. And as good as we think he is, is that really that much better than Steven Strasburg or Noah Syndergaard? Just to name two guys who have tremendous upside. You know, Steven Strasburg two years ago was a a 2.5 ERA guy. Do we really think Walker Buehler can be that much better? Because we are – I'm fairly certain, maybe you guys disagree – I don't think there's really any way he gets to 190 innings. I, I have Cindergard and
0: Strasburg ahead of Euler, so
3: yeah, I think that's reasonable. I do,
0: dis-
2: I do disagree. Like I like I was saying, I don't. I'm not counting on it the way his ADP would suggest people are. But I kept like the Dodgers rode him so hard in the second half last year, and he had all the same uh, the, the innings background where he didn't even throw a hundred innings the year before, and. and Adam, you'll remember, throughout the second half, we kept saying, all right, any day now, they're going to shut down Walker Buehler, and they never did, and in fact, they rode him all the way through the playoffs. So just the fact that they so consistently asked him to handle an ace workload on a start-by-start basis, uh, and, you know, maybe, uh, obviously, maybe they rest him early this year so they can ride him hard at the end and he doesn't end up with the innings total, but I, I do think it's plausible he could be...
0: A true ace. We and could they, think have him talked about rest, that. they have talked about resting him early. I don't believe he's made a spring training start yet.
3: Well, but it's also worth noting, yes, they rode him hard in the second half. He made six, five starts between – I think he made five starts between June and July in the majors and minors. I could be wrong, but I, I think that's what it was.
1: All right, but the innings went from – you know they, they went from 97 in 2017 to 176 in 2018, so – Obviously a big jump for Walker Buehler. And uh, just one thing on Strasburg, I'm not going to get into the specifics, but I, I basically went through the last few years because the ERA has been a little up, I think like three of the last four years, and it's more or less all been injury-related. When he hit, you know, because he pitches through injury or he comes off the DL and he gets rocked in one start and then he's fine after that, or he has a terrible start and then he goes on the DL, and it just inflates his numbers. But it, it is very clear that when Steven Strasburg is healthy – the man is, is really awesome. And I, I think we all know that and we treat him that way and we don't really take a look at his ERA. Um, I just, okay, to finish up on this group. You know, if you drafted, if you were drafting last year and you were deciding between DeGrom and Carlos Carrasco, you know, Carrasco finishes right around number 12. He had a very good year. He did basically what he always does. But it might have been the difference between winning and losing your league. Uh, because DeGrom obviously had one of the best seasons in baseball history. Who is this year's Jacob DeGrom from this group? <laughs> what do you think? I have, I, Nobody I think next. it's, I think it's Severino.
0: That's weird. No, it's, uh, how no. Did it's you come, not. How did you come to that conclusion? I just,
1: I, mean, I just think there's a logical explanation. Cause he already was in that group and then he was terrible in the second half. I think there's a logical explanation for it. I, this is why I'm worried about Walker Bueller. He had a huge innings jump. He is doing things to correct his stamina. He's trying anyway. He fell apart. He got fatigued in the second half. But we know when Severino's right, he is better. I think than than the rest of this group, not by much, but I think he pitches like
3: the Sale, Kluber, Verlander group. Would Trevor Bauer be cheating as an answer to this question, That's considering, was considering he was exact, pretty much exactly as good as Jacob Degrom once you account for FIP and Sierra? Yeah, he's,
1: he's the other guy. I, I I basically take my first pitcher as Severino or Bauer very often. I, I love those. Yeah, players. I mean he I was.
3: Mean, he was arguably the best pitcher in baseball last year, and I don't know if you guys have seen, but this changeup he added, it looks pretty terrifying. He's he's made some guys look really really stupid. Okay, fine, I'll
1: take so Bauer far. then. I take Bauer over Severino. I should have said Trevor Bauer.
3: And um, he's going behind Severino, only a couple spots, but
1: eh, he's going half a spot behind. Yeah. I'm, oh no, you're right. I'm sorry.
2: Because it was such, it took so long for Trevor Bauer to get this good, I I do kind of view him as riskier than he is. Than some of them, but I I agree. Like if we're if we're asking for an already broken out pitcher, already somebody we consider an ace to have another breakout, um, I I think from this group he'd be
3: my choice too.
1: All right, last Hold question. Strasburg, Strasburg, okay. And uh, it, uh, it would be uh, stupid uh, not
3: to mention Cindergard.
1: Uh, oh, fine. All right, last question, Scott. Uh, you don't take a pitcher in rounds one or two. How do you feel about taking two from this group of nine that we just mentioned?
2: Uh, I I think it's right in concept. But, and it just, it just depends. If you value Granky as highly as I do, then you have him in the same tier with this group, and you know you can get him a little later. So, you don't, that, that kind of bakes, that, that kind of gives you an opportunity to wait, um, grab one, and then trust that Granky's going to come back to you the next time.
1: Okay, keep it going down, uh, in, ADP to 51st overall, the 15th pitcher off the board, Patrick Corbin. So we'll take a look at the next five, six pitchers or so. Corbin, Paxton, Strasburg, Granky, Clevenger, Flaherty. These are pitchers 15 through 20. Corbin now with the Nationals, Paxton with the Yankees, Strasburg, Granky, Clevenger, and Jack Flaherty. Uh, Chris, your take on these six
3: uh, it's risky. Uh, I, I don't know. I, there are big questions about pretty much everyone in this group. I think the one I like the most by far, is Steven Strasburg, I just think he's the best pitcher among the group. And if, if the biggest risk is injury, well, pretty much all pitchers have injury risk. Patrick Corbin's been hurt. James Paxton's been hurt. Zach Greinke's never been hurt, but he's old and you know, it might, he might lose it any day now. So if I'm targeting anyone in this group, it's the guy we talked about a lot when we were discussing the previous group. I, I think that makes sense.
1: Strasburg. Okay. Uh, yep. Scott? I think you rank Strasburg head of Granke, right? No. Oh, you don't? Alright, so you're not, no. like, you're not afraid. Of, uh, why, why am I afraid of Zach Granke? I, I think I know why. I mean, look,
3: he's well, getting older. Than because a lot. because, Chris made because an throwing. Too. Well, he's because throwing, throwing 88 miles yeah, per hour yeah. was a massive victory for him in his first spring start. Like hitting 88 miles an hour <laughs> was considered right. a massive victory.
2: But it was his first spring start after a couple springs when he started out throwing the mid 80s. So it was a massive victory. Like we shouldn't worry about what Zach Grinke's spring training looks like at this point after what he put us through last year. Uh, he went on to deliver back to back ace seasons. I I don't have like I think he's. I think, in safety wise, you put him up there with the very top tier. Where well, you can put him up there with the Klubers and the Verlanders of the world, and that he's safe to deliver his 200 innings and close to 200 strikeouts with a low WHIP and probably a low ERA too. Uh, but you know, I'm, that's, I'm the guy who's drafting Granky in every league, so maybe you don't need to hear it from me. I, I don't see a lot of downside other than just, yeah, he's mid 30s, and who knows what happens when he, what can happen
0: when he gets to that I age. I think he's definitely the safest pitcher of this group um
3: i he may have the lowest upside of this group too. There have been signs of decline too like not just he doesn't throw as hard but like his fip was three seven one last year. It's not like he's shown this like consistent ability to dramatically outperform his peripherals. He might be more of a mid 3s uh e r a guy like a a a three six e r a guy I, I think the well, last it, six years he's pretty consistently outperformed his peripherals not really like twenty thirteen he did by about a half a run.
1: Guys, can we can we? uh let, Well, I'm sorry. I, look, I know it's a good discussion, but I think we've all sort of said our piece on Zach Greinke. So, can we look at the rest of the group and talk about who we like? I, I mean, we're just not going to get to enough pitchers. Um, what
0: would you like to talk about, Adam? I, I don't know. I <laughs> well, mean, he's the
3: host.
1: I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of scared of Corbin. But then again, like you look at his yeah. career, he's only had one bad year. I. I mean, okay, yes, call me a homer. I'm pretty excited about Paxton. I see a similarity between Paxton and, and Jacob deGrom. 2017, deGrom K-rate went way up, but he gave up a lot of home runs. That's exactly what happened to James Paxton. Unfortunately, we know he's got a bad track record outside of Seattle, and he's going to a much worse park. But if he can get the home runs under control, I think we all think Paxton has the talent to take that next step if he stays healthy and be like real ace. Um, I like think you want to talk about
0: a guy that's not never established the ace workload? Yeah, He's had a career high in innings last year at 160. Yeah, I know, I know. It, I, I, but R- he's really Chris good. Gonna, at, there's well, a minor league? No, no. In,
3: in, in No, he, in 2016, he did throw 173 innings. Okay. Or 172 innings. And, and counting AAA and yes. bubble? Yeah, and that was – no, counting –
0: and <laughs> counting the majors and triple a and, and, and
3: the dl stint that he had that year was because I, I i believe it was because he got hit by a comebacker so it's not like i mean that, maybe that excuses maybe, one of the years. maybe he's a leather magnet but that was probably just bad luck that like who do, who do you guys want
1: sure. uh, okay other than strasburg okay so chris likes strasburg heath likes strasburg scott likes granky what about corbin paxson and clevenger You know, potentially as your number two starting pitcher. Do you feel comfortable with them as your number two? Do you want them as your number two? Perfectly fine. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, Any of them. But I I actually do have Corbin in the higher tier with Granky because I, you know, he he at least did show last year the workload and the upside. I mean, the risk for him is just was it a mirage because it was based on him uh, throwing his slider basically as his primary pitch. And maybe the scouting report gets out and that doesn't work as well anymore. But I, I think if that if that's not the case, I mean, this new approach could
1: should probably lead to the strikeout rate that he had last year. Okay. Uh, what, Does Jack Flaherty belong in this group? 20th pitcher off the board.
0: I think he belongs uh, I, at the end of the group as much as Clevenger does.
1: Yeah, I have him at the
2: start of the next tier. So I have Clevenger, cut off Flaherty. I actually have Marquez ahead of Flaherty in the higher tier with Clevenger.
1: All right, so then as we look at like 21 through 25, okay, that would be 73rd through 87th in average draft position. And I know there's going to be a couple actually I feel like there're going to be three pitchers out of 5 that most of us really don't want to draft. So um and that's good advice. I mean, we think Bumgarner and Fultonevic are going too early. I'm just going to speak for the group and you let me know if you disagree. Bumgarner's 22nd off the board. He's going 73rd overall. Fultanevich is 82nd off the board. He's, sorry, 82nd overall. He's the 24th pitcher off the board. Um, I I screwed up on the ADP. It's actually 67th through 87th. These five pitchers are Jamison Tyone, who was brilliant after the All Star break last year, Uh, Madison Bumgarner, Jose Barrios, Mike Fultanevich, and David Price. So comparing Tyone, Bumgarner, Barrios, Fultanevich, and Price to Corbin, Paxton, Strasburg, Grinky, Clevenger, Flaherty—you know, not maybe not everybody. Tyone and
0: Barrios go in the la- in the last group, and the other three go in a group like three podcasts from now.
3: <laughs> I just this the, this group of eleven, really, from Corbin to Price, and really, I think you could do- go down a couple spots. I basically never draft from outside of Strasburg. I just. I think, I don't, I think there is upside. I don't think the upside's considerably higher or considerably more likely, uh, than with some of the pitchers going behind them. And we had that discussion yesterday. I also just think there's a ton of risk with this group. Like, I liked Jamison Tyone a lot last year, but as a fifth or sixth round pick, that's a lot to invest in a guy who, you know, I think is good. I'm not sure he's an ace. He doesn't have a lot of upside.
1: Uh, yeah. Marquez has more upside, though, right? right we haven't I gotten mean, You gotta him. give him that. No, but Marquez, he has I more upside I than
0: Rios and Tyone, I but less.
1: Wait, Marquez <laughs> or Tyone? Oh, yeah. uh, Marquez. Yeah, no, Marquez is the next pitcher I was going to talk about. Because I was going to group Marquez, because he's going nine picks after David Price. I was going to group him with Zach Wheeler, Miles Michaelis, Charlie Morton, like, but. I love that value. Right. So, I I, I feel like there's not a huge drop-off, really. No. This doesn't. But, but like, why do you guys hate David Price so much?
3: Okay, so uh, the argument for David Price is basically that over the last three years, when he wasn't pitching through a uh, torn ligament in his elbow, was that he's been good whenever he hasn't faced the Yankees, right? Like, that's the argument? Well,
1: last year he had a 2.90 ERA against all teams that were not named the Yankees. And he, and he came Maybe pretty strong down the stretch, really strong.
3: It might. He kind he did, but like the peripherals still weren't that great. The swinging strike rate has collapsed that, back to its lowest rate, this, since like two thousand twelve. That's never same, been his. Strength, he had the same right? swinging strike rate last year as Miles Michaelis.
1: But is he? But that's never been David Price. Like Scott pointed that out a lot. No, last that's year. That, but that's, that's never but been his strength.
3: It was down like two percentage points last year. Like it hadn't been for a long time. Early in his career, he was very good early in his career with. Frankly, bad swinging strike rates. Uh, but the previous four seasons, he had been at least 10.6% and the pre, the last three before 2018, he had been almost 12%. He had turned into, if not an elite swinging strike rate guy, a very good one. And now it's going, he's losing that along with his velocity. And his stamina. Right, cause he didn't average six innings per start last year.
1: Uh, I, well, I mean, he got, he got I a lot just better with that. He had 13 quality starts in his last 18 starts. That's really good. With a 326 ERA in those stretches.
3: I I
0: have a really hard time with like the second half stats matter more than the first, but I can accept it with younger players. When a guy had thrown 1500 innings in the major leagues, I don't think he gained some skill over the second half of the season.
3: I can see it. I can make a case for why. Like as you, as you age and you lose your stuff, you start, you have to figure out what it is. I just, If if the case for a guy is that he's losing his stuff and he's figuring himself out, I'm not going to invest a a top 100 pick in him. I just don't think there's that much difference between him and and a and pick a pitcher who's going 12 or 13 spots later in the pitcher ranking.
0: Also, three of his final five starts were five and a third or fewer innings. Uh, Yeah,
1: but he like he pitched pretty well in
2: the postseason. All right forget it, you know it's weird ahead. if you if you look at his game log like it's so up like he had eight starts of seven innings or more, which is not something you see a pitcher do very often these days uh but I mean he had so many starts where it was like four and a third three and two thirds like it it was really it was it was strange it was strange the way those innings played out, so that i mean it it gives me some hope that there could still be an ace workload in there. Uh, but it's going to be with a high-ish ERA, and, um, you know, I, I, I'm i fine with him as my number three, certainly my number four, but I don't want to invest too much in him. All right, that's I Price. would rather
0: have him than Baumgartner or Fultonhevich. Yeah, and, and for
1: the, the last thing on Price, because I, I would probably be making more of a case, but I think he threw 26 innings in the postseason. We do see guys sort of struggle after a deep run into the playoffs. Obviously, they won the World Series, and with all the mileage on his arm. Um, that that is a a negative, in my opinion. And Scott mentioned how many how many seven inning starts Price made. How about this? Jose Barrios made twelve starts of seven or more innings and two or fewer earned runs. Twelve like brilliant starts. Yet he had a three eighty four ERA at the end of the year. That is what flusters me because Barrios to me like he's shown that he could be amazing. He just
3: sucks on the road. But we should kind of just like I don't know. Maybe it's too early, but two full seasons of that. At some point, he's he's going to be who he is. He's either going to take a step forward or he's going to be the guy who looks like he should be better but isn't. And There are lots of guys around like that. The great thing is if
0: you think he has some upside to to gain a little bit of consistency, he's being drafted basically as what he was last year and basically a little better than what he was the year before. So I don't think his draft position is assuming any upside. It's not assuming any risk either, but I think it's fair.
3: But I, I think there are guys behind him. Who aren't that much different. And then we went into this yesterday, but like if it's another year of this, are we drafting him 136 overall next year? No. Because that's what we're doing with Chris pitcher. Archer, and I just like like I said yesterday, I don't think there's that much of a difference between them.
1: I, I mean, the ERA's better and the whip is a lot better. You know, so there is that. But the strikeouts are lower. Um for Barrios versus Archer. Okay, so then the next group is more exciting. Armand Marquez, Zach Wheeler, Miles Michaelis, Charlie Mo- I don't- You know what? I shouldn't say it's more exciting. Th-
3: it is. It is. It's, I- I think it's unquestionably so well, I think it has there's Marquez. legitimate ace upside here.
1: There's legitimate ace A- upside in the other group too. But, alright. Marquez, Wheeler, Michaelis, Charlie Morton, Robbie Ray. Let's start- Let's stop there we to have to go a little bit quicker than we've been going, guys. Um, Scott, Marquez, Wheeler, Michaelis, Morton, Ray, your thoughts.
2: I won't get into Marquez anymore. You know I have him like two tiers above this. So whatever. Yeah. He's great. Um, <laughs> Wheeler, I think, is similar to uh, Tyone and Barrios and probably should be drafted similarly. I, I think he is. I mean, this is the same range. You just divided them the way you divided them. The one that I want to talk about is, is Robbie Ray because I feel like it's such a boomer bust pick. Uh, you know, at this time a year ago, we were making the art, or some of us were, mostly me, uh, wrongly, that Robbie Ray belonged in that ace tier. And obviously, all the bad sides of Robbie Ray showed up last year. The hard contact rate, the, the home run, uh, the way he gives up home runs, the walks, the inefficiencies. Like, either he's going to be this 11 strikeouts per nine guy that, uh, You'd never want to take out of your lineup borderline ace, or he's going to be useless because the ratios are so bad, as we saw last year, the ERA and WHIP just just dragging them down.
1: Hmm. So, are you comfortable taking Robbie Ray there? Thirtieth. I'm not. No, I have him ranked
2: lower than this. Okay. Uh, You know, if if it was a situation where, yeah, I mean, I think he'd have to fall. I think he'd have to fall if it was like my number four starter, and I felt great about my top three, and I'm like, let's just go for the gold here. And maybe I do it, but not as somebody I'm really relying
0: on. And I I like the the idea I I talked about yesterday of combining Miles Michaelis with Robbie Ray. Yeah, and I I think those two can kind of even each other out just a little bit. And listen, Michaelis had 11. You mentioned Barrios. Michaelis had 11 starts last year, where at least seven innings, two or fewer runs. The difference was he didn't have the blow up starts like Barrios did. I just
3: I worry he's Kyle Hendricks, and Kyle Hendricks is available. What thirty? Sp- uh, no,
0: uh,
3: uh, twenty six. spots later. Then who? That's Michaelis, not that big. you mean Michaelis? Yeah,
1: yeah. Hendricks is. Yeah, I mean Michaelis
3: did show more of an ability to go deep into games. That's the one issue because a much. Yes, Hendricks hasn't. Hendricks has never really been given the opportunity. to. And I think he'll have more strikeouts this year too.
1: Hendricks.
2: I think. I think rate. it was just yesterday you were favorably comparing Michaelis to Hendricks, Chris, using the um, <laughs> well, but up his metric or whatever.
3: Yes, but also yeah. like in terms of results last year. Yeah. He wasn't that much different than the good version of Kyle Hendricks that we saw. Was it 2016? The really, really good yeah. one.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm not disagreeing. I'm not. I, disagreeing. I just
3: I don't think they're significantly different pitchers necessarily. This this is a good value though, in my book. I, I agree.
1: For who? For who? Michaelis. 104th overall, 28th pitcher. I'm fine with him board. as my number two. And then Hendricks is is right after this group. You know, Charlie Morton. I guess to sum it up, you know, he's good when he pitches, but he's always hurt. Um. I am interested to see what happens when he's off the Astros. Same with Dallas Keuchel. Like, the Astros have an ability to make pitchers great. Morton's on the Rays. I don't think now. they just
3: forget those things. The, the Rays have pine tar too, Adam. I, I don't
1: know if they're, if they're cheating. I don't, we'll see what happens. Um, okay. Mm. So, it's better park. That's for sure for, uh.
3: Cheating, cheating's word. a, che- cheating's a strong word. I, Using things to give themselves an advantage. Ah,
1: I see. Okay. Uh, that's 30 pitchers in ADP. 31 through 35 here. We'll go, uh, Kyle Hendricks. So we're at number 124 overall. So we have finished 10 rounds. We're in the 11th round in a 12 team lead. Hendricks, Tanaka. Oh, can I just say something, a little editorial here? Uh, I know I don't have to based on ADP, but I am taking you Darvish ahead of like, all of these guys. And I take him over Robbie Ray. I take him over yep. Kyle Hendricks. I love you Darvish. Like, come on, 41st pitcher off the board. I love you too. <laughs> uh,
0: this so. is right around the range where I'm okay taking you Darvish, but I wouldn't take him over like I'll take him over Mad Bum and the guys I trashed earlier, but most of the guys in the range we've just talked about I want over
3: you Darvish.
1: I think also at this point, like if Madison Bumgarner, whose ADP is seventy third, starts falling to the one twenties.
3: He never does though.
1: He, okay. He
0: he would he might in our draft. Uh, all right, sorry, let me read yeah, that. I mean if if I can it's, if I can is, get well, Jose Barrios here, I'm pretty excited about it. Well
2: just speaking more broadly, I feel like this is the point in ADP where, you know, things can just kind of sprawl any way they happen to go. Like this my rankings don't really align with ADP at this point anymore, so it's gonna be kinda hard to base a discussion around uh would you draft this guy higher? You know.
0: But okay. we'll 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 see how it goes.
1: All right, and there's a good chance we're looking at our number four starting pitchers. I mean, maybe number four Maybe number three, maybe what, number five.
0: But what, what are you talking about? We're at starting pitcher thirty.
1: I know, but we we put a priority. Well, you put a priority on getting.
3: Okay, you and Scott. Adam no, Adam does play in a lot of sixteen leagues.
0: See,
1: Heath, there's a very real scenario where Irman Marquez, Miles Michaelis is your number three starter. Number three, sure. Right, but now yeah. after if they that, are, though, I'm probably just skipping the next group. Right. Okay, like, I'm saying okay. Good. Then let me say there's a good chance we have three starters by this point. If you do, maybe you're skipping this group, but there's a good chance we have three starters by the time we get to Kyle Hendricks, Masahiro Tanaka, Carlos Martinez, Jay Hap, Chris Archer. Hendricks, Tanaka, Martinez, Hap, Archer. Thoughts? Uh,
3: can, I'm gonna, Adam, I, I might, I might say something that upsets you. Yes. <laughs> you will. Isn't Masahiro Tanaka just James Paxton?
1: No, definitely not. Are we sure? Yes, I am sure. Why? Because James, Master Tanaka yes. has a terrible fastball, is completely inconsistent. James Paxton has much better stuff and, uh, much more upside than Tanaka. Yeah, I mean, just look at the fifth, Chris. Come on. Like, yeah. Paxton's
2: fifth is around three and Tanaka's they They're about the same four. age,
3: right? <laughs> uh, they might be no. around the same age, yeah. Are they? I think Paxton might be a year younger. Um.
2: What's what's weird is the batted ball profile to not for Tanaka suggests he shouldn't give up as many home runs as he does. But it's just so established at this point that you know, I, I
3: going there's gonna be a season where and the FIP is really bad, like you said, because FIP doesn't FIP just takes home runs allowed. It doesn't try to account for home run to fly ball rate. The other stats do to a certain extent. And when you look at like Sierra, for instance. He looks a lot like James Paxton. So it's really, it comes down to the home run so prevention. So is he a value and,
1: here then? Is that what you're trying
3: to say? I think so, because there's going to be a year, I, I would assume, where he has like a 13% home run to fly ball ratio, which would still be bad, and he puts up like a 3-3 RA and throws 190 innings and gets 220 strikeouts. Who's the best value so that, in that's
1: Hendricks, Tanaka, Carlos Martinez, Happ, and Archer.
3: Archer. Um, potentially Martinez. Best?
2: Yeah, the best value. Yeah,
3: probably Archer.
2: Archer's the one that I might make
1: him my fourth starter. If
3: yeah, I'm fine to. with him as my third.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah I, me I, too. I know I yelled about him yesterday, but I do think 35th pitcher off the board is perfectly fine for Archer and good value. And, yeah, I mean, if Carlos Martinez, if this, if this injury is not as bad as, as we think, or maybe he just misses yeah. a month or something, you put him on the DL... And he comes back and he starts. Best case scenario is Carlos Martinez gives you amazing value,
3: 131st overall. Or he's the closer. Or he's the closer. That's not out of the question. Uh, The thing is, Carlos Martinez is never going 129th overall or 131st overall right now. Heath, you got him like 220th in TGFBI. I got him 217. I
2: I got him Uh, later than that. I think I got him around like 260th or something.
3: Nobody outside of this podcast believes carlos martinez is alive anymore i think okay
2: all right <laughs> i give him about a two-thirds chance of either starting or closing i know i know that's just you know there's three options so i'm giving each a third chance but, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> They're all but equal. that's kind of how i see it okay. where uh you know it's a one-third chance he's on the dl stint he, he begins the year on the dl then builds up to start one-third chance he's the closer and one-third chance he's just another reliever, and is pretty much useless. And
3: that really, state. that that range of outcomes probably isn't that much different than a lot of the guys drafted between 100 and 200.
1: Okay, next group in ADP. Uh, Shohei Otani, I won't include him. So, Cole Hamels, who was awesome with the Cubs, terrible with the Rangers, terrible in Glo- I think it's Globe Life Park in Arlington, Texas's ballpark. But Hamels was great after the trade. Eduardo Rodriguez uh, making some adjustments. We're excited about him. Rick Porcello, Dallas Keuchel and you, Darvish. Cole Hamels, Eduardo Rodriguez, Porcello, Keuchel, and Darvish. What do you think about this group? Sky White. Oh, Heath Cummings. I haven't got enough of Heath Cummings on the show today. What do you think, Heath?
0: Yeah, you just don't even want to talk to me anymore. (laughs) Darvish is the only pitcher in this range I'm drafting. There's a chance Keuchel could sign with a team that would make me more interested. He's been linked to possibly the Padres. He's also been linked to the Phillies. I'd definitely rather have him on the Padres than on the Phillies. But I don't have much interest in Cole Hamels. I just am not going to buy that, that moving to Chicago at his stage of his career made him that good again. Maybe you could have a little bit of hope in Eduardo Rodriguez if he could stay healthy. And Rick Porcello, I can stream Rick Porcello.
2: <laughs> oh, I, I I have, man, I have such a different opinion on this group than he does. Cool. This, this group right. is my jam. I mean, I, I'm <laughs> happy to get Darvish. Uh, to I love Darvish. Like, yes. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he has ace upside, but um, Cole Hamels, like it was totally predictable that he was going to go to the Cubs and be much better. If you looked at his home away splits during his time with the Rangers, which their their home park rated as the most hitter friendly in all of baseball last year, and he gave up so many home runs there. Uh, when he's not even a pitcher who should be giving up home runs. So the fact that his strikeout rate jumped up last year, you know, I'm not saying his ERA is going to be quite as low as it was with the Cubs, but mid threes with a good strikeout rate and a near ace workload. I, I think that's an excellent choice at this stage. And Rick Porcello was somebody I regretted not mentioning on yesterday's show, Pitchers I Draft a Lot. He might be the, the pitcher I draft the most of any.
3: That's and not, that's a- unfortunate.
2: <sighs> I think. The fact that you can rely on him for 200 innings or close to it is is such a difference maker in today's landscape. And and probably the the single biggest factor for how I evaluate pitchers these days, you either can do it or you can't. I and like he doesn't get enough credit for how many strikeouts he gets. Like he was nearly a 200 strikeout pitcher last year with a good whip because he hardly walks anybody. And the Red Sox backing him. Which you know seventeen that, in that innings 17 gives you wins. a much better chance of winning games. Yeah. Like, ERA okay, he's not going to do great in ERA. ERA matters.
3: Scott, he went 11 and, does, and 17 the so year before, else. though. But he went 11 and 17 before. He was really the year bad before at, that. He was really. He bad went nine that. and 15 in 2015. But
1: he was real. So okay, he's I, a weird pitcher. He's a weird pitcher. He won the Cy Young in 2016.
3: Year. Right, and he shouldn't yeah. have.
1: Well, he didn't, I, he didn't have good. his
2: best pitch in 2017. Basically, he he had to try and make do without it, and he did he have it, it in 2018? Yes, yes, it was. A story Why didn't in he use it? Training. He did use it.
3: Why didn't I it mean, work? I mean, he had a good
1: year. Well, Porcello,
2: okay. he didn't. Uh, like Porcello, I think, I, I
3: think this. Okay, uh, he was very to bad serious, To be serious, I think what? this actually, Scott, Scott, I think this gets into like a s- philosophical difference between how you view fantasy and how. Heath or I really oh yeah you it are much is. more but not even just like how we view baseball I think you view head-to-head as like the the way you think about fantasy primarily and he certainly from
2: 190 for, strikeouts in can I tell you where he finished less. before you go on Porcello, right but he wins wins no
3: we're not talking about wins he's no, not going to win 17 the, Scott for he's for not, not going to win 17 Scott
2: pitching six, 6 innings at Scott, a time Scott, he's,
3: he's, like, he's, he's done it pitched for the Red he, Sox for 4 years he won 7 9 and 11 in 2 of the previous well, 4 he's not going to win red 17 Sox. games
2: the world champion red Sox. they okay, won the, didn't, it, didn't awesome. they win the
3: world series in like 2015 like they they've been no, really good for a long time now
2: i mean he please he became a better pitcher the year he won the he did like and he was
3: Yes, three years ago.
1: He, look, he, he was 21st in points. He was 25th in roto. Part of that is that, that he threw 191 to third. That was big. I, I think, you know, Scott, one thing that concerns me, first of all, he's very inconsistent. But also, I've seen enough pitchers have like a big jump in K rate and then not necessarily sustain it the next year. So, you know, 8.9 strikeouts per nine. I think if he gives you 8.9 strikeouts per nine, he's definitely a great value here. But if he goes back to eight, then he's, he might not be. Uh, you know,
2: I mean, his strikeout total the last three years, 190, 181, 189.
1: Yeah, but, but what about a I guy mean, who's got a bad ERA and is giving you that bad ERA for 200 innings? You know, it's not necessarily an advantage in a roto league. It's fine in a points league. I, like the ERA
2: is the downside, but I think for the range he's going, there's strikeout, uh, strikeouts that you're not going to find elsewhere. There's whip that you're not going to find elsewhere because he's such a good control pitcher. And like, if he did a pitch for the Red Sox, maybe I'd downgrade him, but I have a hard time seeing the innings he throws, that offense backing him. You know, as long as he's as good as he was last year, I, I, I think you can pencil him in for 15 plus wins.
1: Yeah. And I, I think you, you know, he, Chris, you brought up a different point about philosophically how guys, how you guys differ from the way Scott and probably the way I view things. And it's not just points versus Roto. I mean, it's, it's categories that you look at. I mean, as and a big one for Scott is innings. And it doesn't seem to be quite as big for you guys. That's not a criticism. It's just an observation. And I want to get to the last group here. We'll finish up, and then tomorrow we will talk about our favorite late-round starting pitchers. But why don't we go uh, 42 through 50 in ADP? There are some good names here uh, and some that are not going to inspire us much. But 42 through 50, if you, Darvish, is 41, it's Fre- Kyle Freeland, who is the top 12 pitcher in points. I think he was 17th in Roto. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. John Lester... <laughs> Shane Bieber, uh, Heath mentioned as a sleeper yesterday, 44th off the board. Andrew Heaney, Jose Quintana, Nick Pavetta. Yeah, we talked about him a lot. Nate Ivaldi, Rich Hill, and Kevin Gosman. Actually, I kind of like this group. Not everybody, but Freeland, oh, like Lester, Bieber, Heaney, Quintana, Pavetta, Ivaldi, Rich Hill, Kevin Gosman. Heath, you like a lot of these guys?
0: Yeah, I like Bieber a lot. I like Pavetta a lot. I draft Rich Hill a ton. Uh, he's not going to give you a lot of innings for the full season, but he'll give you a lot of innings when he's actually in the rotation, and you can use somebody else when he's not. I'm just absolutely fine not getting Rick Porcello and waiting 30 picks to take Jose Quintana, because I don't think there's going to be a huge difference between the two of them.
1: Well, well, that's, I mean, I don't know what happened to Quintana last year, but he just could not get through five innings. Or He certainly couldn't get to six. He had a 794 ERA third time through the order, but that was rare for him, and he just could not, Give you quality starts. That would be the big difference between him and Porcello. But again, that's not in Quintana's history. Uh, Chris, you want to give your thoughts on this group? We got about two minutes left, fellas. Go ahead, Chris. Well, on
3: on Quintana, it was uh, the changeup. He just didn't have the feel for it, and he's been working on that in the spring. So, if he gets that um. in this group, I really like Pavetta Heaney, I think he's dealing with an elbow issue right now, so that's certainly a, a concern given his history. But I like him if he's healthy. I love Bieber. And I'm buying in on uh, Nate Evaldi. I didn't think I would, but the stuff is good. Uh, He made a change to his uh, arsenal last year. He started throwing his cutter more. It became a a swing and miss pitch for him. And I think he's made the jump from the guy who throws hard but can't get any strikeouts to something better than that. I don't think it's an ace. Um, And there's certainly injury concerns. like. I, I think, think there's a lot more Porcello upside. Like I think there's a lot more upside with Ivaldi than <laughs> Porcello.
1: Scott,
2: what do you I'm think?
3: not expecting a four two ERA from Porcello or from Ivaldi.
1: Scott, what do you uh, think about Kyle Freeland and John Lester? They're the first two of this group.
2: Yeah, John Lester and granted I said this about Cole Hamels at this time a year ago, and then he's figured out <laughs> how to get strikeouts again. So maybe just a wily uh lefty like John Lester, he's going to make adjustments, but it. You know, just looking at the data, it looks like he's on clear decline and, um, you know, he had a lot of good luck in the first half last year and it kind of came crashing down on him at the end. I don't I don't want anything to do with him and I don't want anything to do with Kyle Freeland either, <laughs> who, you know, I for pitching at Coors Field, um like even if he didn't pitch at Coors Field, there's not really anything in his profile that stands out to suggest he should have had the kind of ERA he did. Obviously, not much of a bat-misser, not a great control pitcher, not a guy who gets a lot of ground balls. He's so kind of Rick exactly Porcello.
1: Oh, enough. please stop saying uh, Rick Porcello uh,
2: with the Rick Porcello <laughs> drinking uh, game. And then, obviously, when you factor in the course Field aspect and that no pitcher succeeds there. I mean, certainly not one who gives up the kind of contact Freeland does and fly, you know, not a ground ball pitcher, Yeah, um, at least not a— Good ground ball pitcher, great ground ball pitcher. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not betting on Freeland doing anything close to that again. Yeah.
1: Okay. That is it for today's show. We've gotten you 50 pitchers in average draft position, and we'll finish it up tomorrow. We will also, yeah, either tomorrow or Thursday, do a position preview recap. I think it's a very helpful show that we do every year. So just kind of sum up each position pretty quickly. And, uh, yeah, I think we'll start with the Braves, guys, tomorrow. Kevin Gossman, 50, Sean Newcomb, 51. We'll go on down the list. Glass now, Hyunjin Ryu, Kikuchi, Arietta, Gray, Dominguez, uh, well, he's a reliever, but Alex Wood, et cetera. All right, thanks a lot for listening, everybody. This is Fantasy Baseball Today. We will talk to you tomorrow. For Scott, for Heath, for Chris, I'm Adam. See you later.